The Florida Gators are 5-4, and four, one win away from bowl eligibility in Billy Napier's first year. We're going to talk about the, the win over Texas A&M on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Monday. Happy Victory Monday. I'm Brandon Olson. Twitter is WNS underscore Brandon. Written work with whole nine sports and Giants country of SI.com. Before getting into it, it's a big win. We know. Today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to. Faster, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. And now we're going to talk about the offense first, uh, but there was something that was kind of talked about a bit in the Locked On Gators Discord. Um, link in the description below. Uh, <laughs> that was talked about in the Locked On Gators Discord where, yeah, uh, the offense, not great this year. Neither is the defense. We know that. I think... Maybe a more important thing to look at is that there are gradual changes and gradual fixes that have happened over time where it seems like every week, Florida, they look better at something. Uh, They also then might regress in another area. But I think the important part is that, yeah, they're they're changing things. Um, They're correcting these little negatives. And when you consistently correct those little things... Over time, that will accumulate and make you look significantly better. Um, We could also now talk about the actual, just the game from this past Saturday against Texas A&M. Florida, of course, won that one 41-24 after trailing 24-20 at the half. Anthony Richardson, that was one of the best games I've ever seen him play uh, as a Florida Gator. I will give him absolute credit for that. It it wasn't a fantastic game. I will say that. like he, He made some mistakes, as every quarterback will, so there's that. Um, but it it was one of the best games that I've seen him play because he looked comfortable. And this is one of those things where I, you've got to figure it out for next year. If you're Billy Napier, uh, assuming Anthony Richardson comes back, I think he should, we'll see what actually happens, but, um, you got to figure it out why he's so much better on the road. And I get it that he, that he pretty much says, Hey, like I don't have 90,000 Gators fans cheering my success. No, instead you had 97,000, almost 98,000. Uh, Texas A&M fans, obviously not all Texas A&M fans, but a bunch of people that were not cheering for you and you played significantly better. Tennessee played significantly better. Utah had a ton of Utah fans in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium and he played one of the better games of his career. I don't know why he looks so comfortable when people hate him, but would prefer you figure that out, Ant. Um, but I will say that there are there are little things where we talk about where, you know, the little things are picking up. Uh, Anthony Richardson, just in, in recent weeks especially, he's looked way more willing to throw the ball away when it's not there. Um, he's always kind of thrown the ball away, but he did it as last-ditch efforts. This past week and even the Georgia game, he didn't do it when it was just him fighting for his life. Like, he, he did it when it was the smart thing to do. 
most of the time we know that the fourth down throwaway against Georgia was a bad decision. There was a throwaway in the Texas A&M game where he probably should have just hit Xavier Henderson, who was waiting in the flat. Um, but, but I think that's an important trait. I think the willingness to throw the ball away is something that is so often um, – overlooked as a valuable quarterback trait. That's one of my things that I look for. Same way I look for a running back that can pass protect. I'm looking for a quarterback that is willing to throw the ball away, live to fight another down on certain times. And that's what he does. Uh, Hasn't thrown an interception since the Missouri game, which is just such a a stark difference from what we were used to. We were used to, you know, at least a pick a game. That was the expectation. Hasn't thrown a pick since the Missouri game. That's LSU. Georgia and Texas A&M, two very good defenses and one above average defense. And I think that that cannot be, um, cannot be overlooked or overstated enough that he's getting better, like right in front of your eyes. I think that I'm someone who has been very harsh on Anthony Richardson. I accept that. That's totally fine. Anthony Richardson is growing right before our eyes. And a lot of people, yes, you're still hung up on things. I feel like a lot of times evaluation is like a month behind with with the public perception where Gators fans are like, oh, over the past month, he's had these stats. He sucks. Um, sure, whatever you want to say. But I think when you're evaluating a player like Anthony Richardson, who is so incredibly raw, you're kind of watching it week by week, seeing what he improves on. Throwing the ball away, improving. Uh, not throwing interceptions, which you could argue those go hand in hand because you're not forcing a ball to a spot where you shouldn't force it. Um, but I will say a lot of Anthony Richardson's interceptions, I don't think were him forcing a ball somewhere. I think a lot of them were just either a bad decision or like a bad read or a bad throw, like an inaccurate throw. Um, getting more aggressive as a scrambler in recent weeks. We've seen Anthony Richardson do that where it's like, hey, man, buckle up because guess what? It, like it's not cutting time. Like you got to figure it out. You got to get going. You got to win these games. Bowl eligibility is on the line. Everything is on the line in this game. And I think that that's something that really, really cannot be overstated for Florida Gators. And so figure it out. Like, like figure things out. We've been saying for weeks, if you want to win these games, Anthony Richardson has to run the ball. He's done that. He's made significant improvements to his game. I don't think that you can overstate that enough. Again, I think that is an incredibly um, overlooked trait, we'll say, from him against Texas A&M. He didn't throw the deep ball, really, at all. Like He didn't attempt it, but he was a killer in the intermediate 10 to 20 range. Like He demolished them the entire game, and I was shocked because a lot of guys can keep the ball short. A lot of guys can throw the ball deep. It takes actual skill to throw the ball in that intermediate range and find consistent success. And he did that against Texas A&M. Looking at the run game, Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne, elite running back duo. Against Texas A&M, they combined for 39 carries, 180 yards, one touchdown. That is ridiculous. First of all, 39 carries is a lot. Um, That's what they need, by the way. I believe it was 22 for Montreal, 17 for Trevor Etienne. Um, that is fantastic. Like that's what, that's what we're looking for there. That was just great. I loved it. Love seeing every bit of it. 13 missed tackles forced between the two of them. They had, I told you, 180 rushing yards. They had 158 of those after contact. That's a lot. That's also, by the way, offensive line played one of their worst games of the season. Um, 
It was terrible. Offensive line played one of their worst games of the season this year or this past week. Um, but running backs still picked it up. Anthony Richardson still played a great game. Anthony Richardson had uh, 92 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. He's willing to do it more often. He's done it more often. Ricky Pearsall getting multiple carries is fantastic. He got three carries. Uh, the first one that where he really, the first time he got the ball, it was blown dead, but he had daylight in front of him. Um, I think that if you're Billy Napier and you want to do all these, you know, jet motions and all that, do it with Ricky Pearsall and actually give him the ball more often. Give run run the ball with Ricky Pearsall three to five times a game. It will help improve your entire offense because defenses will actually have to respect it. That's why I tell you, I don't care whether or not throwing the deep ball works. Throw the deep ball because it means that defenses are actually going to have to respect that you're willing to throw the deep ball. And that's one of the things where I, I feel like that's just like speaking into a void of yelling at a brick wall and some of these things. But it's an important thing to remember when you're looking at Again, evaluating this team. What are you getting better at? That's what that's what happened. I've mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Billy Napier started handing off the ball more and uh, on those jet sweeps and those jet motions, and it's worked. It has. It, it's also helped open up other plays. It has. But early in the year, he was just faking it all the time and not actually running it. And it's like, well, no one is going to bite on it then if you're not willing to. Do it. It's not like play action. Play action, we know statistically, you do not have to be good at running the ball to be good at play action. That's a fact. That that's, Statistics prove that. But with jet motion, you've got to be at least willing to do it. You don't have to be good at it. you got to be at least willing to do it. And so, Billy Napier, I commend you for improving uh, and, and evolving. And I realize that the heat is on for a lot of these coaches right now with just the fan base. But they're improving, and, and you should all accept that. Speaking of massive improvements, we're about to talk about the Florida Gators defense. But first, as the sun comes out, and well, now it's going back away, but small businesses are back in business. Life is looking better again, right? LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier for you to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy for you to find the people that you want to interview, maybe hire, because with, I mean, like screening questions, you can kind of narrow that list down and prioritize who you want to look to, you're you're busy, you know? It's called the business, because you're busy. You, you can't spend your time looking through all the uh, non-qualifiers, we'll say. But, I mean, don't, don't take my word for it. Every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. They're looking there for a reason. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks again for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. When you're looking at this Florida Gators defense against Texas A&M, I think the thing that you have to talk about immediately, second half shutout. Um, like I mentioned in the last segment, Florida was down 24-20 at the end of the first half. Okay, halftime, 24-20. Came out 141-24 in big part because your defense did not allow a single point in the second half. And I'm going to pull up this line right now just to look at how the possessions went for Florida against Texas A&M in the first half because it went Texas A&M's offensive possessions. Touchdown on the first one, touchdown on the second one, field goal on the third one, punt on the fourth one, touchdown on the fifth one. So they had five offensive possessions in the first half. 
three touchdowns, a field goal, and one punt. One. By the way, the game started total field goal, touchdown, 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 field goal, field goal, punt. So it took a while for a punt to happen anyway. First punt happened with five minutes left in the second half. Um, right? Is that even it? Or was it less than that? It was, it was two and a half minutes. Sorry. Two and a half minutes left in the second half is when, in the first half is when we had the first punt. Uh, and then Texas A&M in the second half, their drives went punt, 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 fumble, fumble, turnover on downs, punt. Nothing short of absolute dominance from Florida's defense in the second half. Three out one on the first drive, three and out two on the second drive. You had a third three and out in the fourth drive. You had, I mean, a, a fumble on third down on a later drive and then a three and out towards the end of the game where the defense just completely stuck up. And I will say Haynes King, who started that quarterback for Texas A&M, I feel so bad for that kid because in the fourth quarter specifically, it felt like he was getting hit on every drop back and he was dropping back a lot. Prince Leuman Mealin. Six, I'm sorry, Prince Leumann Mielin. Six pressures versus Texas A&M. Most he's ever had in a game. He's a redshirt sophomore. I know someone in the postcast was asking me about his eligibility. He's a redshirt sophomore. He's technically draft eligible if he wanted to go. I highly, highly doubt he will, but you probably get him for another year after this. Tied Brenton Cox for the most pressures by any Gator in a single game this season. Brenton Cox had six against LSU. Princely had six against Texas A&M. It was nothing short of a freak show for Princely Uman Mielin against Texas A&M, especially in the second half. He came to life, he turned it up, and he showed, like, hey, man, I'm ready to be a very talented SEC pass rusher, and that's something that we have not had around. And now, Princely Uman Mielin, second on the team in pressures. He had 11 going into that game, and he was fifth. Now he had those, or sorry, he was fourth. He had those six, and now he is second. He's a freak, okay? Um, He's got 17 pressures on the season. Elite performance against Texas A&M. I'm not going to say he's elite, but that was an elite performance against Texas A&M. There were five snaps for Prince Leumann Mielin dropped into coverage, which is tied for the most that we've seen him drop back in a single game this season. So again, you're seeing, like I mentioned, when Brenton Cox got kicked off the team, I was like, hey, maybe you're going to see more of that Princely dropping back, more of these other guys dropping back. Against Georgia, Princely dropped back five times. Against Texas A&M, Princely dropped back five times. Against LSU, he did a four. Prior to that, never more than twice in a game. So Princely is playing... Uh, I believe more of a stand-up role to, let's see, these snaps. Uh, He played, let's see, detailed positions, PFF. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, he he played a bit as a stand-up edge rusher, not a ton, but more than he usually has, which is, I mean, it's exciting for me at least. I like seeing it. Uh, He had one possession where he was, or he had one play against Texas A&M where he was like standing up completely off ball, which is great to see this versatility and creativity. And that's something that we've been looking for for this defense and something that I've been asking for for this like second half of the season when it's like, hey, you gotta nut up or shut up and you gotta you gotta win these games. And that's what they're doing. They're they're just saying, no risk it, no biscuit. They're figuring things out, getting more creative. Antoine Powell Ryland 
who is replacing Brenton Cox Jr. I realize that a lot of people are like, ah, I, I forgot which of the commentators. It might have been RG3 that said it uh, when it was Florida versus Texas A&M. They're like, Prince Yuman Mielin stepping into that Brenton Cox role. Not really. Prince Lee's still playing that same end spot. He is sometimes standing up, sometimes hand in the dirt. Uh, he's not taking over Brenton Cox's role. He's replacing Brenton Cox's production, I'll say. Um, but he's not necessarily taking over the Jack spot. Maybe next year is something that we could look at. Um, but no, the guy who is replacing Brenton Cox Jr. on the depth chart, Antoine Powell Ryland. Four tackles, four, four run stops, which if you don't know, run stops, gain of three yards or less. That's what Antoine Powell Ryland had against Texas A&M, along with a sack of pressure and a forced fumble that was recovered by Lloyd Summerall in 99. Um, edge rusher, edge rushing looks good right now. It does. We'll see what happens when you're going up against a stronger offensive line. Texas A&M, of course, dealing with a slew of injuries and the flu and a whole bunch going on. So we'll see what happens. You know, South Carolina, Spencer Rattler, I will say, Better navigator in the pocket than Haynes King. So you got to look for that more creativity, more escapability, more mobility, and see what Prince Leon Mielin is going to do against an actual starting offensive line, as well as Antoine Powell Ryland, what he will do against an actual starting offensive line. But expectations should be rising from this defense. Because you showed at the second I don't care about who is out for Texas A&M. It's hard to shut a team out for an entire half. It's hard to do that. I don't care how much better you are than them. It's difficult to actually just string together that many plays consecutively without screwing up. That's one of the reasons Georgia's so good is that they don't screw up a ton like that. Like they are very good. They're they're incredibly talented players, but no matter who they play against, it's very rare to see them just crumble and have these big mental errors that give up big mistakes. That's not what really happens with them. That's what Florida's working towards. Um, Also, Man coverage. We saw it again uh, against Georgia. We saw it, I believe it was 33% of the time. Um, at least, like, obviously, it was called more probably, but 33% of the time when they actually passed the ball. I uh, don't have the numbers for Texas A&M yet for the percentages, but I, I will say that it was definitely more than we've usually seen, which is expected. Again, that's one of the ways that you could have taken out this Texas A&M offense is that it's so basic and kindergarten that you could do that. Um, but the defense has been playing better in man coverage. Also, here's the thing. They've been calling man coverage all year. They're just calling it more now. So let's not act like the defense didn't play man coverage before and all of a sudden it's this revolutionary thing. They're just doing it more, which is similar to how I was talking about with the offense from like, Every week you're seeing these new things that they're fixing and they're correcting and they're trying out and they're trying to make it work. That's what's happening here. You're seeing more man coverage and it's working. So you're going to continue to see more man coverage, but you have to realize this is a process. This is an evaluation year for Florida where Patrick, Tony, Billy Napier, Sean Spencer, Rob sale, they're all in there. Like, Hey man, what do we have? What can we do? What are our strengths? What shouldn't we do all that? They're figuring it out. This team is getting better. That's an important factor here where I'm not going to say, you know, if you played Georgia in, in a few weeks, you'd win. No. But what I am saying is if the, if Kentucky wasn't week two, if Kentucky was next week or Vanderbilt week, you're probably looking at a pretty different game 
because against Kentucky is probably the most damning part where it was zone coverage a lot and Kentucky exploited you whenever they did throw the ball. And, and you're looking at a different Anthony Richardson than you had in week two. He's still inconsistent. We know that. But he's getting better. He's taking steps to get where he has to go. And this defense is doing that as well. Blitzing. The past few weeks, we've seen Ventrell Miller and Amari Bernie have or be used more as pass rushers than we've seen before. And that's no accident. You're playing against teams that like to run the ball. You're playing against teams that have mobile quarterbacks. You're playing against teams that have strong offensive lines. You're playing against teams that you want to play a man coverage against. When you play man coverage, unless you're doubling somebody, that takes up five DBs or five players, really, because it could be linebackers. But that takes up five players. You're probably rushing four. That means you have two other guys that you can – figure out what you're going to do with you can call cover two man and have two safeties deep you can call cover one robber have a safety deep and have a linebacker in a hook zone underneath you can blitz a linebacker florida's figuring it out florida's doing these things and they're getting creative with it and that's exactly what they have to do we're about to talk about players who need to play more um especially as we get towards the end of the season here but first the florida getters are currently 24 point favorites against stony brook tomorrow night I'm telling you, I have no idea what I should be betting, but I'm betting that they will cover the spread just because, you know, let's do it. Let, let, let's let it ride. Why not? Make sure you check out Bet Online. They've got basketball, football. I mean, there, there's right now you're in that perfect like sports equinox, what they call it. Baseball just ended, but you can bet on so many sports. So check out Bet Online. It's where the game starts. To wrap up today's show, we're talking about some players on this Florida Gators roster that need to play more because this is something that we were talking about before the Georgia game, anticipating a loss in the Georgia game, which obviously we know happened, where it was like, hey, once you get towards the end of the season, you could probably play younger guys more. Uh, not necessarily that you're, you know, it's not Madden where just playing more automatically makes you better, but getting them more experience, getting them more reps and getting them used to it and being like, hey, what do we have for next year? Maybe one of these guys is ready to help us finish this year strong and step up and, and things like that. Um, and, I mean, you're kind of seeing it. You know, Let's look at Caleb Douglas. Caleb Douglas is the first guy I wanted to talk about. Caleb Payday Douglas. Um, a lot of people got introduced to him against Eastern Washington because he was the one that Jalen Kitten was targeting deep down the sideline three times, completed one of them. I think it was for like 52 yards uh, and a touchdown. Big play. Big, big-time player there. He's shown up every time his number's been called this season. Like, he's not on the field not making plays. He had the touchdown against Eastern Washington. He had, uh, I believe it was against Texas A&M, three catches for 25 yards and a touchdown on three targets. Um, he, he's shown up. He's got great size, great athleticism, great straight-line speed. He's going to work with Kerry Colbert to get more consistent and better, more technically refined. And also, clearly, he's got the trust of that quarterback room. Anthony Richardson targeted him three times, which is not something that he did with many other receivers. I'll, I'll pull up the numbers right now, and I'll tell you exactly how many he did. But Jalen Kitna was intentionally just like staring him down. He's like, hey, like I'm throwing this to Kittle Douglas. Like, it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, but Anthony Richardson had... 28 pass attempts, and Caleb Douglas had three catches, second on the team behind Jaquavian Frazier's and Xavier Henderson. So Caleb Douglas, 
needs to play more. Young kid, has been productive every time he's been asked to do it. He's, I believe, played in four games this season. Only two of them has really played offense, but two of them he was on the field, uh, wasn't targeted. And so he's got one more game before he burns his redshirt, and I don't think that they care about keeping his redshirt. I don't. I think especially now, yeah, I'll say it. The redshirt has never been less valuable than it is now. Uh, because you you run the risk of guys transferring. You have so many guys that want to say three years and then go to the league, four years max, and then go to the league, where the red shirt doesn't really mean as much as it does. And here, we at least rotate in and get a few reps, you know? Maybe for the lower three stars, it's like, hey, like we're going to red shirt you the first year. You're not ready. And then you'll still have four years of playing time, which is a bright idea. Another guy, Jonathan Odom, tight end. Um He's someone who I did not think would be in the starting lineup because, again, I've said it, you know, there's there's tight ends, but there's kind of two different responsibilities at the tight end spot. Jonathan Odom and Dante Sanders kind of share the same skill set. Uh, Keon Zipper and Dante Sanders were complementary, and I thought that, you know, they'd bring in a complementary guy. No, they put Jonathan Odom in. It was the right decision. I think he did a great job blocking in the running game. Um, I realized that PFF had, a, a, I think it was an average grade for him, which isn't bad, but... It's not great. I think he did a very good job. I loved the tenacity of getting downfield and blocking people like that long Anthony Richardson touchdown. I think it was what 61 yards, something like that. Um, Jonathan Odom was downfield blocking. He he was he was downfield. He was running. He was trying to keep up with Anthony Richardson, but he was downfield running. I'd love to see him get more opportunities as a blocker with Keon Zipper being injured for an undisclosed amount of time. Uh, I would like to see Jonathan Odom be used more as a run blocker, be used maybe as a pass blocker. That one I can't really say because I don't think we've ever seen him in pass protection, um, if I'm not mistaken. I'd like to see him be used as a safety valve, red zone type of threat. Like you don't, you don't need every tight end to be athletic and be able to run after the catch like Keon Zipper, like Kimori Gamble last season. You don't need that. Sometimes you just need a guy who's ready to convert first downs for you ready to get in the end zone for you. That's what Jonathan Odom could probably be. And he's young. Get get him as much playing time as you can and get him experience. So next year, he could be one of your starters because he probably should be. Jonathan Odom deserves to play. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, I have three names here. Um, two of them, I well, one of them I know you're going to agree with. One of them, I'm assuming you're going to say, why is he even on this list? He plays enough. And one of them is one that we know is going to play more as time goes on because he's now getting an expanded role. But the first one, Kamari Wilson. We all know, yes, he should be playing more. Safeties have not been playing well. Either of the safeties have not been playing well. I want to make that very clear that I'm not just like, ah, ha-ha, trading, let's troll. No, Rashad Torrance hasn't been playing well either. So let's let's not get it twisted. That is what it is. Like we're, we're If we're going to be honest about it, evaluating here and then we're going to be honest about evaluating um but no kamari wilson has not played much this year or at all really uh this past week he had 16 snaps against texas a&m against georgia he played if i'm not mistaken let me say six snaps lsu 22 missouri 7 eastern washington 65 obviously he started because trade dean was injured tennessee 19 usf 8 kentucky 11 utah 8 He's very been 
He's been used very uh, inconsistently. I'd like to see that get a little more consistent. I'd like to see him get more playing time, especially as you're getting to the tail end. There's three regular season games left, and then maybe a bowl game. I think you have to get him playing more. Uh, you look at another guy that I'm going to talk about. Shamar James is the one that I was like, you guys are probably going to think he plays enough. His playing time has decreased kind of significantly in recent weeks. Uh, you look at how he started the year. 30 against Utah, 36 against Kentucky, 31 against South Florida, 33 against Tennessee, 39 against Eastern Washington, 13 against Missouri, 33 against LSU, 42 against Georgia, and then 15 this past week. I don't, I don't know what it is that he's had two weeks in the past four games where he's played less than 20 snaps. Uh, it's not because the defense hasn't been on the field. Defense has been on the field plenty. I don't know why he's starting to play less. Lloyd Summerall had 12 snaps against uh, Texas a I thought it'd be more, but we've seen him have, you know, 20 snaps against Eastern Washington, 18 against Missouri, five against Kentucky, five against LSU, uh, 12 against Texas a and like to see him play more. I think we will see him play more. It came up big. And yeah, I, I think that when you're this late in the season, you give these young guys more reps because these are guys that might be, should be kind of foundational cornerstones of your defense. Give, give them the reps. <laughs> it's just something that give them the reps so that next year you're not throwing them into the fire as starters. You don't have to start them, but give them reps. And here's the thing. you got three regular season games left. You need to win one of them to get bowl eligibility. You have three teams on your schedule that are not great. I think you can, I think you've got a little bit of breathing room and saying, hey, let, let's play these younger guys. And if we need to pull them, we pull them. But, but let's play them and get them some meaningful reps. And that's an important part that's often overlooked. But that's it for me. That's it. Thank you for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We're going to be back later today. We've got the women's basketball preview coming out at noon. Uh, game is at 2 for the women's basketball game. 7 p.m. for the men's basketball game. Depending on time-wise, I don't know how I'm going to do it this year with going live after games for basketball. There's too many for me to do it every game. Um, but I will be doing it f- as frequently as I can. For your second listen, check out Lockdown SEC, hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. I uh, get the best coverage on the best conference, including the best university, University of Florida. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports and GiantsCountryofSI.com. I'll see you all tomorrow.